Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to make my trials clear. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, no cause for worry or for fear. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles today to the little epistle of Jude. Little epistle of Jude, and we're going to pick up on our study. Uh, just for context, let's see. Verse number one, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. B- beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were of old before ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will, therefore, put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under judgment, darkness of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers, they defile the flesh, they despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But thee speak evil of those things which they do not know. But what they know naturally is brute beast in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Now that's where we left off last time. Again, Jude felt led of the Holy Spirit to write unto them about our common salvation, but was more pressed to write about these false teachers, these false prophets that had crept into the church already unawares. And he begins to remind them about how God has dealt with disobedience, how God has dealt with those who have rebelled against him in the past. And the last thing we looked at was he compared them to the way of Cain. We talked about how Cain represents a bloodless, faithless, loveless religion. We talked about the era of Balaam and that Balaam was greedy for money. And we talked about the gainsaying of Korah, how that Korah told Moses and Adam, Abiram, Dathan, told him that he had taken too much upon himself to place himself over and make himself a prince over the people. And again, God came down and destroyed the tents and the families, all the property of Nathan, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And he says, these are spots in your feast of charity, your love feast. 
when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are with water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead and plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness and darkness forever. Now, that's not a lot of positive. There's nothing positive about that. Jude is sharply condemning these who rebel against God, these who spread lies and rumor and discord and deny their own salvation and our only Lord Jesus Christ. He said there's spots in your love feast. He's talking about the feast when they would come for communion. He's saying they don't even deserve to be there. And when they feast with you, they feed themselves without fear. They have no fear. They have no reverence, no awe of God. They're clouds with wa- without water. I mean, they're big and they're puffy, but they have nothing inside of them. They're carried about of winds. In other words, they move with the winds, trees whose fruit is withered. They're without fruit. They're twice dead. They're plucked up by the roots. They're nothing. They're raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. They can't shut their mouths. They're just talking all the time. They're wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And he says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these people, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh in ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Look at that. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about the second coming of Jesus Christ. So did Job, Job in Job chapter 19, verse number 25, the oldest book in the Bible. Uh, our New Test, our, our, our Old Testament is not arranged based on the dates of the books. Now, many people would say, well, Genesis is first, but actually Job is first. Job 19.25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Who was Job talking about? He was talking about his Redeemer, and he knows his Redeemer is alive, and that he will stand on the last days upon the earth. And, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I will see God. Enoch prophesied of the second coming of Christ. Job prophesied of the second coming of Christ. These are murmurs in verse 16. They're complainers. They're walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. In other words, these apostates find fault. They complain about everything. But Job's reminding them that one day the Lord's going to come back and he's going to fix this. Even the seventh of Adam prophesied this would happen. Even Job prophesied this would happen. But these murmurs and these complainers that walk without fear of the judgment of God, that show up at our love feast pretending to be sheep, but they're really wolves. He said they're walking after their own lust, and their mouths speak great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. In other words, they take advantage of you. 
These apostates, apostates, they find fault, they complain, nothing satisfies them, they have no feeling for others, they want their own selfish will to be imposed upon everyone. And they take, they have men's admiration to take advantage of them. You know, Colossians 2.18, Paul said, let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body, by the joints and the bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together. And he's saying, he goes on, he says, And with the increase of God, wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ, from the rudiments of the world. Why, as though living in the world, are you subject to all these ordinances which these people place upon you, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are going to perish with the with the using after the commandments and the doctrines of men? I didn't come up with this. These false teachers have come up with this, which things have indeed a show of wisdom. I mean, they look smart in will worship. In other words, they're worshiping their own wills. They're not worshiping my will and the humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Notice he, they're talking about these apostates, these murmurs, these complainers who walk after their own lust and speak great swelling words, and they want to gain your admiration so that they can take advantage of you. And he says they're worshiping their own will. They're not worshiping. They're not doing what I told them to do. They're doing what they want to do. In other words, it's not about God and what he wants, but it's about them and what they want. You know, on a personal note, a complainer cannot be right with God. I don't care who it is. There's something wrong with the person who will complain constantly about everything. These apostates, they find fault with everything. But they want to gain admiration so that they can take advantage of people. But ultimately, they're worshiping. They're participating in what he calls will worship. They're not worshiping God. They're worshiping their own wills. They're making it up as they go along, as we've been talking about, as we have been studying through this little epistle. They want their own selfish wills to be imposed upon others. They don't fear God. He said, But beloved, remember you the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 17. How that they told you that there would come mockers in the last time who would walk after their own ungodly lusts. You know, the Bible speaks about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's what these guys are walking in. They're walking in their own ungodly lust. Those be they who, you know, they separate themselves, but yet they're sensual. They don't have the spirit. But ye, beloved, you need to be building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some, have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments that are spotted by the flesh. Notice the contrast. In the first 16 verses, Jude is dealing with these filthy dreamers, these false prophets, as he calls them. Now he turns here in verse number 17, but beloved, beloved, that's you and me. These final verses, he's turning to you and me and how we should conduct ourselves. 
And he, and the first thing he says is, you need to be building yourself up in the most holy faith. The faith that you and I have in our heart to believe is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And how, how do we build up our faith? You know, in the midst of all of this apostasy that's around us, in the midst of all this false teaching, in the, in the midst of a, of a world that's seemingly turning its back upon God, how are we to behave ourselves? Number one, he says, you need to be building yourself up in the most, most holy faith. That's what we need to do. And the Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to build up your faith? You need to be in the word of God. Not listen to what these knuckleheads are saying, but what does the Bible say? I mean, when you sit and you listen to a man who claims to be speaking for God say something, make sure you're comparing with scripture with scripture, comparing what he says with what the Bible says. Because in the, in the end, let God be true and every man a liar. We need to be building ourselves up in our most holy faith. And secondly, we need to be praying in the Holy Spirit. We are to pray with the anointing of God's Spirit. Only the Spirit can give us the faith that we need to pray the prayers of faith. You know, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God is our teacher and our guide. As a matter of fact, in Romans... I believe it's in Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 26. The Word of God says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth us in our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Not the will of these false prophets, not even our own will, but the will of God. We need to be praying in the Holy Spirit that God's will will be done. Nevertheless, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, thy will be done, not mine. We pray the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ultimately, we want the Lord's will, not our will, to be done. And then thirdly, we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. We are to keep our minds fastened on the things above, not on the things below. The way that we do this is by keeping the Word of God close to us, by studying it, meditating upon it, memorizing and applying it to our lives. On my Facebook page the other day, I I posted uh, this article, and I would encourage you uh, to take a look at it when you get a chance. But it's talking about the ignorance that is in the church today, the ignorance. As a matter of fact, the article, if you want to take a look at it, uh, again, it's on my Directional Ministries uh, Facebook page. Uh, the title of the article, let me get it for you here as it comes up on my screen. A brother, pastor friend of mine shared it with me, and it just it blew me away because it nails exactly what the problem is. The name of the article is The Tragedy of Dumbing Down Christianity. The Tragedy of Dumbing Down Christianity. It came out of Relevant Magazine. And you really need to read this article. You know, he says, We have replaced rich, robust theology in the church 
with emotional music and constant reminders that God is love and God loves you and he's your personal savior and he loves your soul. You know what? All of those words are true, but it's much more than that. It's much more than that. Okay. It's so much more than that. Okay, he goes on, he says, I found the opposite to be very true. I found that the more I learn about God, his word and theology, which describes him, the more I can love and I can worship him. We've gotten into this emotional thing with God and we've kind of checked our brains at the front door. And that's that's wrong. And the whole purpose of the article, he says the church that only offers emotional feel-good theology is going to lose in the long term, is going to lose. He, he quoted Cotton Mather, who was a Puritan pastor. He said, ignorance is the mother, not of devotion, but of heresy. And that's exactly why the average Christian in America is a heretic. If, if you really want to get down to it, they don't know their Bibles and they're, they're, they're expounding things that aren't even in the Bible because they're in the emotional realm. They're in the emotional realm. And of course, if you want to study your history, you'll find that this came out of the Second Great Awakening, where there was a movement from liturgical worship, if you will, or knowledge worship about God to an emotional worship. And really, there needs to be both. Yes, we, we need an emotional, we, we do serve an emotional God. The attributes of God are in us, but we also serve a God that wants us to know him and to make him known. And to do that, we must pray in the Holy Spirit. And we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. That means we are to keep our minds fastened on the things above, not on the things below. And we need to study, memorize the word of God, apply it to our lives. The Bible says that we are in this world, but we should not be of this world. And then fourthly, we should be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You and I can expect eternal life. It's as good as done. But we need to be looking forward for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Why? Because God has had mercy on us by allowing us the opportunity to put our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And he goes on and says, and some of you, some, and some have compassion making the difference and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Here we see that we should relate to two types of people who are around us every single day. And we'll talk about those people tomorrow when we get together. Listen, God bless you guys. I do hope that you have a great day. Remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's always working everything out for our good.